uh, some advice and pointers towards keeping a few extra quid in the pocket. And who better to uh, help us in that regard than the one and only Tommy Corbett from Kerry Corbett Financial Solutions. How are you, Tommy? Oh, my God. I know you, you, you dread it because it's like yeah. I play... I, 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 I <laughs> the, the financial well-being of the entire county of Clare is in yeah, your hands. In my hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure about that now, but... Uh, <laughs> ah, well, look. A, a really big build-up is, um, is a dangerous thing. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I, lo- I, love, I love a good build-up, especially when it's not about me. Uh, but anyway, this week we're going to talk about mortgages, particularly getting mortgage um, ready. So, why why did you want to turn your attentions towards mortgages? Um, I suppose it's the following one from, I suppose we were kind of getting kind of, we were looking at kind of getting financial ready and maybe looking at budgeting and all that kind of stuff the last time I was in. Mm. And we've seen actually over the last two to three weeks a huge um, surge in people coming in looking maybe to build or buy this year, maybe it's a New Year's resolution, maybe they feel that, you know, they've been renting for a number of years, now's the time to buy, maybe there's more houses coming on stream, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we're just seeing a big a, a big um, increase in mortgage applications. I was talking to another broker who's based above in Galway this morning and he says he's seen the same thing. So it just seems to be a bit of a trend that maybe people are kind of, maybe had been on the fence for the last couple of year or two, you know, with interest rate rises and that kind of stuff, um, that maybe yeah, are kind of maybe getting off the fence now and maybe going for, maybe looking to buy or build. Okay, well, good to hear more people seem to be able to do that. Um, but for those first-time buyers in particular, uh, they'll be green around the ears and they mightn't be too au fait with the process and the steps that have to be taken in terms of getting a mortgage. So uh, where do we start? Yeah, so the first thing a bank will look at um is it's all about repaymentability. In other words, can you repay the loan? If that bank is going to give you that loan or this couple that loan, um, are they going to be able to repay the mortgage? Okay, and you may have assets coming out your ears. You may have a farm and land, you may have sites, you may have this, that and the other. If you cannot prove to them that you have the income and the wherewithal to repay the loan that they're going to give you, then it's a non-runner. <clears throat> and they will put you through a number of tests in relation to that. Okay, so first of all, they will look at your income. They will look at the source of, their in- of your income. Are you self-employed? Are you on probation? Are you on contract? All of these things play a major role in relation to uh, whether they'll take that income into account. Again, they look at overtime, they look at shift allowance, all that kind of thing. Again, they may only take part of that income into account, um, but that's one part of the whole repayment ability. Um, then they will look at your savings record. Have you got savings? Who's going to come up with the deposit? Are you getting a gift? You know, what have you been doing with that income? Have you been paying rent or have you been spending it willy-nilly? You know, so basically, have you shown the discipline um, that it takes to be able to repay a mortgage if they're going to give you this money? You know, so um, then they will look at, can you afford to repay it? And again, there'll be a number of tests there. So your income multiple will be number one. In other words, if you're earning 50 grand a year, they'll multiply that by four or four and a half times. And that'll be the income multiple that the maximum that that will allow. Then they will look at your net income. What does that mean? It means that what is your net income that you're bringing into the house on a monthly basis? And they will allow a certain portion of that to repay all loans. So you might be bringing in, for instance, between, uh, you know, with a couple, uh, might be bringing in five grand a month, two and a half grand each, and they may say, listen, we're happy enough to allow maybe 35% of that to repay all loans. And next thing you dig deeper and you find out that there's two car loans or maybe a personal loan, and that will all bring down then 
the actual amount that they're going to give you because, you know, some of that net income is being used to repay maybe short-term loans. And then to look at um, MDI or as well as called, it's, it's your minimum income, min- minimum disposable income requirement. In other words, as a couple, maybe with kids or whatever, you're going to have to have a minimum income just to be able to live off yeah. after you pay loans. So there's a couple of different asset tests that the bank will look at, but it's all down to repayment ability. Can you repay that loan? We've had people coming in, you know, like I said, with maybe a farm of land be- behind them that they're willing to put up. They don't want assets. Yes, they want security, but they don't want assets. They have more assets, you know, that they can get rid of at the moment. So it's all about, they don't want to be bringing you to court in three years' time, in ten years' time, if you're not repaying that loan. Well, for anyone who may have wondered uh, how thorough banks were in uh, checking out your, the bona fides of your finances before giving you a mortgage, Tommy's just laid it out there. They are forensic. Um, what other costs do people need to be to keep in mind or be aware of in terms of um, uh, mortgage? And also w- with the deposit, uh, is uh, how much needs to be yeah, so uh, they need to have? <clears throat> so the deposit is pretty easy. So if you're a first-time buyer, and that means both, if it's a couple, both have to be first-time buyers. If one of them is a first-time buyer and the other isn't, then then you're deemed as second-time buyers or trader-uppers or whatever. So, and do you th- is that fair or unfair, do you think? Or does it depend on a case-by-case basis? It probably is a little bit unfair, um, especially if they don't have an existing property. Yeah. You know, so if one if one had a property maybe back 10 or 15 years ago, <coughs> excuse me, um, I don't think it's really fair that they're taking that into account now. You know, so... Yeah, I think if one if 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 one of the couple is maybe a non first time buyer, it's a little bit unfair to not. I suppose it's, it's probably on a case by case by case basis, but it is a little bit unfair. Also, does it really need to be twenty percent for second time buyers? You know, ten um, percent. Particularly, because you know, even getting ten percent can be can be difficult yeah. enough. Like when you look at house prices now, you know, coming up at thirty, forty grand is a lot. Never mind double that. Oh, it's it, it, it's huge, especially if you're paying rent, especially if you're yeah. maybe in one of the bigger cities and you're paying serious rent. You know, how are you going to put the 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 ten percent together? And what we're saying is a lot of, you know, young people are coming in with maybe where the bank of mum and dad are are helping them out with the deposit and that kind of thing, which is allowed and there's no issue as long as they can prove that what they've been doing with their own money, all right, has been sensible. In other words, paying back loans or paying back rent and that kind of stuff. If they've been taking their own money and spending it on five holidays a year then they don't particularly like that. They want to see that you're actually able to save and, I suppose, manage your finances some bit sensibly. So, yeah, so go back to the deposit. So it's 10% is what's needed if you're a first-time buyer. It's 20% if you're a trader-upper. And then if you're buying, if you're a buy-to-let, in other words, if you're buying a retail or a residential investment property, it can be anything up to 40%. Okay, and do you need to have a property in mind? Do you need to go to the bank and say, uh, we ha- we want a mortgage, but it's for this specific property in this place? Or can you just go to the bank and say, look, we're looking for a mortgage. We want to buy a house, but we don't have anything in mind. We're just, we've gone the process of looking around. Yeah, so you don't have to have a property in mind. I would say don't have a property in mind, because the first thing, if you go to an auctioneer and you want to bid on number four, Francis Street, Ennis, <clears throat> First thing they're going to ask you: Are you mortgage ready? Are you mortgage approved? Have you are you a cash buyer? All right. So if you're not mortgage approved, it'll tell you go away, get a mortgage approval first, and then come back to us. So it's very important before you approach any estate agent or or, or um, vendor that you are mortgage approved. So basically, what we would do is we would maybe make up a property like that number for Francis Street Ennis, oh. you know, um, and base it around that, you know, and, you, and, you, and you'll get your pre-approval or your approval in principle is what it's called. And then you're pretty much good to go. Then you'll know exactly how much you can, you know, bid on a property, how much the mortgage is going to be, that kind of thing. In terms then of the length of the mortgage, how long of a term can people apply for? Or 
you know, can the can the app the applicant have a say in how much you know? Can they say, look, I want a mortgage, I want it for twenty five years, thirty years, or you know, you go to the bank look for a mortgage and they tell you how long it'll be for? Yes and no. So the maximum it can be is up to is is up to thirty five years, and then it depends on your age. So again. Um, so with two of the lenders, maximum age that they will lend to is age 70. All right. So if you're 45, maximum term on the mortgage you're going to get 25, is 25 years. Yeah. All right. Again, one of the other lenders is maximum age is 65 unless you have a pension. So again, if you have a pension through work, they will allow you to go to 70. So so in that instance, it, it's, it's, um, it's dictated to, to you by your age. However, the flip side of that, so for instance, if you say, listen, I'm approved here for a 30-year mortgage, but I really want to get it on over 20 years. The bank may not allow you to do that, mm. even though you're you're well. You may feel that you're well within a position to actually repay it over a shorter term. They will insist because of whatever their metrics are that the what you can afford to do is maybe pay it over 30 years. Now that doesn't stop you paying, you know, paying in lumps and all that kind of stuff over the next 20 years and pay it down. But you know, so sometimes it's dictated to you by you know your affordability. So they're not going to kind of give you a 20 year mortgage when the calculations say that listen, you need to spread that over out over 30 years. So again, it'll depend on your on, on your own circumstances. Okay, and in terms then, Tommy, of who you get the mortgage from, uh, is it a case that, well, I bank with this crowd, so I have to get a mortgage with them, or can you shop around and see who's likely to give you the best deal? Yeah, you can shop around. To be fair, Alan, it's um, the market compared to, I suppose, 15, 16 years ago, I think there was 20 different lenders on the market at that stage. You know what I mean? You really are down to maybe six or seven at the moment. It's some reduction, <coughs> isn't it? Yeah, Slimmer some pickings. reduction. And again, with the non-bank lenders, what we're seeing is that their interest rates are quite high because they don't have the deposit size. You know what I mean? So they're not making money on the deposit. So basically, they have to charge higher on the on, on the lending side. Um, so the choice that's there is, is 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 a lot less than it was years ago. However. There are still nuances between each of the banks, you know, whether you look for a cash back, whether you want to go fixed or variable, you know, like I said, in relation to terms, you know, some banks will go to age 70, some will be to age 65. So, you know, it's very important that you do shop around. Okay. Uh, in terms of paperwork then, what documents do you need to have to give over to the bank to be able to apply for a mortgage, particularly as, as a first-time buyer? Yeah, so this can be eye-watering. So basically, they look at, like I think like you said, it's, it's, it really is forensic. So they're going to look for your bank statements, you know, credit card statements, loan statements, all going back maybe from for six to 12 months, depending. Um, if you're self-employed, they'll look for your accounts for the last two years minimum. So that is important. So if you're newly self-employed and you might be making a fortune, they will insist that you have two years tax returns done. Okay, so you could be in a position that you may have to wait maybe 12 or 18 months before you can actually apply for a mortgage. Is that the main difference as a, 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 a person who is self-employed or there, when you're applying for a mortgage as a first-time buyer or there are loads of differences? That's the biggest one. Again, it's down to you have to prove your income. So mm. again, they like a track record of at least two years. It was three years, so again, they've brought that back down to two years, which is a little bit encouraging. So again, if you've won really good year, they'd like to see, you know what I mean, you know what? What is what is it like over two years? And they'll take the average then over the two okay. years. Or if you if you if you're self-employed longer, they might take an average of two or three years. You know, so um, that's the main difference. You know, obviously you need to have your tax fares up to date, your accountant sign off, and all these things. Um, what else will they look at? Yes, basically every bit of financial. Oh yeah, so your savings. Okay, so where did it come from? You know, did you get gifts um, or you know rental? Again, how are you paying the rent? Are you paying it in cash? Are you paying it by direct debit? You know, is there a rent book? Is there a track record there? So it's very important that all these things are taken into account. Again, some of the pitfalls, I suppose, that people will kind of 
fall into alright some of them are pretty obvious and some of them aren't so bad credit is one so if you've something in your history maybe you've missed payments on a higher purchase agreement for a lawnmower or something like that you know that could actually scupper you know going for a mortgage you know so it is important that your credit history is okay um, untidy bank statements what do I mean by that so you might your income might be good you might be going into overdraft when you don't have an overdraft facility and, and you're, be, you're being charged referral fees and that kind of thing. Again, that's, not, that's something that they don't like to see. Um, gambling transactions. Again, we all like a flutter every now and again, but if you're, you know, consistently um, have consistent gambling transactions on your accounts, again, it's something that's that don't like like to a see. Bit, that sounds like a big red flag. Yeah, it's a big red flag. Uh, probation, what I mean by that is are you on probation with your employer again? They will not take it into account until you're full-time permanent. Temporary employment, again, something similar. Uh, just, recent, just recently self-employed, as you said, are you on contract? Again, that's a strange one because it depends on the contract length and is it your second contract, your first contract, all that kind of thing. So again, each bank will look at that differently. Again, we've, we've said it before, have you a pension or not? That'll, that'll dictate whether you'll go to age 65 or 67 or 70. Um, funny one here, your, your employer is dealing with the lender. Okay, so how often does that happen? <clears throat> you'd be surprised, Alan, because so, for instance, you might you might be with uh, you know a small or medium enterprise, um, and you might be being paid regularly, uh, doing fine, but you don't know what your employer is doing in the background, how his fi- his or her finances or that company's finances are in the background, and so, for instance, if that company is dealing with the lender that you're going to, he they might see it as a red flag if that employer is under a bit of pressure or whatever. So it's it's a strange one. Now, they may not tell you that directly, but it is something that they, that they will do. They will look at maybe your employer's books and maybe go on to the CRO and that kind of thing just to see how healthy your employer is. Okay, to be fair, that <laughs> if I were a bank, I'd probably be doing that. That is yeah. understandable. Yeah, can be, yeah. Uh, your age, obviously, you know what I mean? The older you are, the, 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 the less of a term that you can get. Unexplained lodgements is a big one. You know, so where where you know you have to make sure you're 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 able to explain everything, cash transactions, for example, your rent, and underestim- underestimating the cost of bill. That's a big one. So we would get a lot of people in that maybe in the building industry and they might say, oh, sure, I can build that for hundred euros a square foot or whatever it is. They will have a specific amount that they will insist is the least it can be built for. Uh, so. That's that, that that's a big one. They're underestimating if you're building, underestimating the actual cost of building. Okay, and why should people go to a broker? Why should people go to a broker? Yeah. So again, it, again, it's down to choice. Okay. So yes, if you want to go to each of the banks, by all means, do, and you'll get all the various information. You can do that under one roof with a broker. Um, also, when it comes to the other ancillary costs, things like house insurance, you know, maybe building insurance as well. So you, there's a specific type of insurance for that. Also, your life insurance and that kind of thing, income protection, that sort of stuff. It's um, Generally speaking, they'll be able to shop around and get it cheaper for you as well. Okay, brilliant stuff. Just shows you folks there is so, so much involved in uh, applying for a mortgage and I think, yeah, if you can go to a broker, take you through all of that, like Tommy just did with us. <laughs> that's, why, that's why they're necessary. Tommy, thank you very much. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate that. Uh, if you ever have any questions uh, on your finances for Tommy, do send them in to 086 1800 964.